time the Lord has given me a word to preach this morning uh, I need to do some pastoring today I need to cast vision in a way that I've never cast it before and uh, I know the Lord is with me to do so so we will we will not be keeping you long but we we must let the Lord do what he's going to do this morning and so I will invite your attention to the book of Nehemiah chapter 9. I love the enthusiasm from Brother Mark Menzendek. It's contagious. You know why he gets excited when he says you can just expect the blessing of the Lord in your life? Because he has done it time after time after time. While he's working with us, ladies and gentlemen, he's got multiple apostolic churches that he is helping right now, just as he's helping us. And he's done it for years and years. And he, what he's saying, he has seen time and again. And we know that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. His word will not return void. From the book of Nehemiah and the ninth chapter, I want to read from the sixth verse. The word of the Lord says this, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art the Lord, the God who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham, foundest his heart faithful before thee, madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Girgashites to give it, I say, to his seed and hast performed thy words for thou art righteous." And did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard us there cry by the Red Sea, and show us signs and wonders upon Pharaoh and all his servants, and in all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them, so didst thou get thee a name, as it is this day. Thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. Their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou ledest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, spakest with them from heaven, gavest them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments. My text and my title come specifically from verse 7. Thou art the Lord God who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur the Chaldees and gavest him the name of Abraham. By the help of God this morning, I would like to preach to you on this subject from Abram to Abraham. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mighty power. Lord, I pray an anointing of the Holy Ghost upon the remainder of this service and upon the preaching of the word. I receive it in Jesus' name. We receive it as your congregation of people. We thank you, God, and give you praise in the name of the Lord. Do your holy work, O oh God, in Jesus' name. We give you praise for it right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Can we clap our hands one more time as we're seated? God bless you in the name of the Lord. We have entered the word of the Lord here at a very special time in Israel's history. Israel is about to build and is in the process of building a wall, rebuilding a wall, and in the prospect process of of building this wall, they have the responsibility of restoring what the Lord has done in them as a nation. 
And they are restoring everything. They're not just rebuilding a wall, but they are reacquainting themselves with the law of God. And they are uh, coming back to relationship with the, with the things of the Lord. And this particular passage of Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 13, contains a prayer. We were reading a prayer. This was a prayer of the Levites. The Levites stood. This was the priestly tribe. They had, as inheritance, they had charge of all of the, the priestly duties and responsibilities as it related to Israel's relationship with the Lord. And the Levitical prayer in Nehemiah chapter 9 is, is what we read. And they began to pray. Now what caught my attention in this passage was what they thanked God for and what they were reminding themselves of concerning the activity of God in their history. One, they talked about creation. And they said, Lord, we thank you that you are the one who made the earth, that you made the host of heaven, that the hosts of heaven worship you, that you preserve them, that you founded it upon the earth and the seas and all that is therein. So they praised God for his creative power. Then they moved on to some familiar territory. They began to thank him for the exodus from Egypt. Thank you for bringing us out of the hand of our taskmaster and delivering us from bondage. And they thanked God. And they particularly gave God prayer or praise for the, the parting of the Red Sea. This was a common praise of Israel. It was a landmark moment in the lives of the children of Israel. So they, they thanked him for delivering them through the passing in the passage of the Red Sea. And they proceeded from there and began to praise him and thank him that he went before them as a pillar of cloud by day and as a pillar of fire by night. And they thanked him that he came down upon Mount Sinai and that he gave them the law of God and the commandments of the Lord. So these were all very significant milestones in the history of Israel. Now this was many years later that they were thanking God for these milestones, but they were thanking God for these milestones. Creation, the exodus from Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, leading us by a cloudy pillar and a fiery pillar. (laughs) And thank you, Lord, for the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. But they, they, they mentioned something else, and this is what I'm preaching about this morning. Right between creation and deliverance from Egypt. They said, Lord, we thank you that you brought our father Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Now that's unique and that's special to me because that's where my name comes from. If you wanted to know, I'm Chaldean, Assyrian, Iranian. That's our family, uh, Persian. That's our family lineage. So I come, that's where the name Ur Shan comes from, Ur of the Chaldees. That's where Abraham came from. So every once in a while, I like to say from before Abraham was, you know, we were. It doesn't have the same same impact as I am, but hey. And so Abram, we thank you, God, that you called Abram out of the earth of the Chaldees. And that you set him on the right trajectory. We thank you for what you did with our father. And Lord, we thank you that you, you took Abram. And you made him Abraham. This was very significant. They were giving God praise that he changed the name of their father. The name change is a powerful thing in the scriptures. It is a, 
it is a repeated theme. God changes names. There are times and there are seasons for name change. And I have, I have come this morning to talk to you about that. One of the classic examples of this is in the life of Jacob. Jacob understood the power of name change. Jacob himself experienced a name change as he wrestled with that individual that he described as being face to face with God who jumped out of the shadows of eternity and tackled him into the river of Jebuk and and they wrestled there and Jacob said, my name is Jacob. But the Lord said, you'll no longer be called Jacob, you shall be called Israel for as a prince you have prevailed with God and has found favor with man. So Jacob, becoming Israel, he understood the power of a name change. And he knew it wasn't just a name change for people. But he understood that name change was significant in the sight of God, even for places. So he had this amazing experience at a place called Luz, or Luz. And he changed the name of that place from Luz to Bethel. He had an experience with God where he laid his head down on a rock. And a, a, a ladder appeared and the ladder ascended to the heavens and angels were ascending on the ladder and descending on the ladder. And at the top of the ladder was the glory of God. And he woke from that dream and said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. It was a powerful experience. It was a God-ordained experience. And he said, I shall call the name of this place Bethel, the house of God. He totally changed the name, but it wasn't the only time he changed the name of that place. He went on having a relationship with God, living for God, and doing the work of God, living in the promises of God. And he came back to that same place that once was called Luz, that he changed to Bethel. And he said, you know what? I've got a new experience with God, and I'm going to change the name of this place again. Not only is it Bethel, but now it's El Bethel. So I'm going to, well, yeah, Bethel was an amazing experience. The house of God was a powerful experience. And God did great things for me that made me understand that this is Bethel. But he said, this is, something's happened that's taken me even deeper into my walk with God. And so I'm changing the name from what it was, Bethel, to El Bethel, which means the God of the house of God. So Jacob understood the power of name change. And of course, we understand the power of name change. And it, it is something that, that we have experienced when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He changes our name. And he changes it on and on. When we, with each and every experience we have with God, there is a new dimension added. Even God did that with his own name. He would, he would add to his name understanding. So, so he would say, I'm Jehovah Jireh. And then later on, he'd say, I'm Jehovah Nissi. And then later on, he'd say, I'm Jehovah Rophi. And later on, he'd say, I'm Jehovah Shema. And then later on, he'd say, I'm Jehovah Shalom. And, and he said, I'm Elohim. And then he said, I'm El Shaddai. And I'm El Yan. And, and then ladies and gentlemen, there's no, there's no finding out all that there is to find out about God. There is no searching of his glory and his riches. He he is past finding out. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. <laughs> Hallelujah. His name is great and greatly to be praised. <laughs> and so the Lord has brought me to Cincinnati, Ohio, and has brought you to Cincinnati, Ohio, to the First Apostolic Church. And we have, we have come to this place I have been preaching for the last several weeks as we begin 2018. God gave me a deliberate purpose that, that, that I've never fully experienced in my ministry. 
I feel a little bit like Joseph. I started dreaming things about God at a very young age. I was 10 years old when God revealed to me the oneness of God. And as he revealed to me the oneness of God, I began to preach the gospel because it was in my spirit like a fire shut up in my bones. And I began to feel the things of God and see the things of God and experience the things of God. And I knew God had great things in store, but I didn't fully understand what it was. I didn't completely understand what God would have me do. I just knew I loved him. He loved me. He put his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. His word was a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. His word was my necessary bread, my daily bread. And and Lord, let's do it, whatever it is. But 2018, God said, here it is. And so we have come to a place, a season Of name change. We have. And First Apostolic Church uh, is not, this is not unfamiliar territory for First Apostolic Church. FAC has experienced name changing seasons before and many times. As a matter of fact, our founder, Brother Frank Kurtz, changed the name of the church several times. Uh, the church actually was affectionately known at, the, at the, the beginning as the mission. It was affectionately known as the mission. The, the, the official name was Bethlehem Temple. The first name of the church was Bethlehem Temple. But then Brother Kurtz began to develop an understanding and have a revelation of, from God concerning the tabernacle in the wilderness. And he actually wrote a book, and I'll say it this way, he wrote the book, <laughs> On the tabernacle in the wilderness. He had, a, he had a unique understanding. And when we go through our campaign, we're going to have services where we honor our past. And we'll show you some of the profound things that God did in this congregation through the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, the 50s and the 60s. And Brother Kurtz was used of God to establish the church. And, and when he received this profound revelation of the tabernacle, the church's name changed from Bethlehem Temple to Bethlehem Tabernacle. Because of the profundity of that revelation. Similar to when Jacob said, you know what? It's been Bethel, but I just came into, I just came into a, such a, a, a dramatic understanding of the things of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to it. El Bethel. And so, so uh, this was the case. Then as time went on, uh, Brother Kurtz ended up changing the name of the congregation about four or five times. So it went from, from the mission to Bethlehem Temple to Bethlehem tabernacle and then he changed it to the apostolic church of Jesus Christ and then he changed it in 1961 to the first apostolic church and and when he did it was uh, that was in 1961 he passed away in 1969 in 1968 Bishop and Sister Buller came to Cincinnati Ohio to labor for the Lord in this vineyard for the kingdom of God. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I'm going to stop here and I'm just going to say something. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it out there because it's important to the testimony of what God has done for us. 1968 was the most traumatic year that this church ever experienced. It was the most traumatic year that this city, that this city ever experienced. It was a, it was a, not just for the 
city of Cincinnati and for the church, 1968 was the most traumatic year, one of the most traumatic years the, the world ever experienced. Israel had just come out of a six-day war that, was, that was, just, was just bristling with prophetic significance where they were attacked by all of the neighboring countries surrounding them. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1968. Uh, uh, former Attorney General, presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1968. Anton LaVey had just founded the Church of Satan in San Francisco in 1968. The hippie movement and, and drug, sex, and rock and roll was sweeping across our nation. And the whole world was upside down. And this city experienced the most traumatic experience that it had ever experienced in the apostolic community in the city of Cincinnati in 1968. Now... I said that to say Bishop and Sister Buller came here and they accepted the pastorate of First Apostolic Church when Brother Kurtz passed away. They have been here now 50 years. Now, I... I, when I, the re, here's why I said what I said about 1968. 1968 was the toughest year that the city of ap apostolic community in Cincinnati ever experienced. But this is why I even brought that up. This is why. 2018 is the year of Jubilee. And whatever happened in 1968, it's over. You hear what I said? Whatever the devil tried to do, it is completely finished. It is completely oh. Not one ounce of what the enemy tried to accomplish has been able to be accomplished because in 2018, the Lord said, I am with you and I have ever been with you and I will be with you even unto the ends of the earth. <laughs> Bishop and Sister Buller brought a much needed stabilizing ministry to the city of Cincinnati to First Apostolic Church. They pastored with love from 1968 to 2003. They pastored with the love of God and have left a legacy of apostolic doctrine and the love of God and a love for the truth of God and a love for the people of God. And they, as a matter of fact, Bishop Buller even entertained the idea of making a name change himself. To the church but decided against it and his ministry was a ministry of stabilizing that foundation that strong foundation and so for 57 years the church has remained the first apostolic church in Cincinnati as the name of the congregation now I want to say and I'm going to I'm just going to go ahead and say this now y'all are getting ready and in, in ready now campaign you're going to see you're going to receive packets and beautiful images. You're going to see the new Family Worship Center. You're going to see the new Family Fellowship Center. You're, it's all going to be there for you to see. Starting March 18th, it's going to be laid out. We're going to be unfolding. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. But I'm just going to go ahead and throw something, a little spoiler alert. Because that Family Fellowship Center that we're talking about, where we're going to be greeting people and receiving people and bringing them into the presence of God, it's going to be the first time we ever meet them and we don't know where they're coming from and we don't know what they've been dealing with and we don't know what kind of problems they have that, that are just haunting them and hanging over them. But when they walk into this house, they're walking into, ladies and gentlemen, a place where people love them and people are here to help them find Jesus and help them to make heaven their home and give them the hope of eternal life 
We want to do so with the same level of love and compassion that has been handed down to us from the ministry of Bishop and Sister Buller. Now, those who, those who know them, and particularly those who, who were under their pastorate, know what I'm talking about. And those who know them, you know what I'm talking about. They receive people. They warmly receive people. They make people a part of the family. That is their spirit. That's their demeanor. As we grow, you know as well as I know, it's harder and harder to achieve a family feel in a congregation that's growing past 1,000 and 2,000 and 3,000. But in the name of Jesus, whether we got to do it through life groups, whatever we got to do, we're going to make everybody feel like family. So we will be naming that Family Fellowship Center, the Leroy and Evelyn Buller Apostolic Family Fellowship Center. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Could we give God praise for that? Could we give God praise for that? Because they sacrificed for years. Coming in 1968, they sacrificed and they pastored and they labored. And we want to honor that and we also want to extend that legacy into future generations so that everybody who passes the threshold of this congregation comes into a family of the Lord Jesus Christ, a family that loves them, a family that cares for them. And so we are looking forward. We're looking forward to a lot of things and that is one of the most amazing things. I'm so excited about it. It's important that we understand Abram. As Abram, God called him Abram. That was his name, Abram, which means high father. It's a great name. High father is a noble name, Abram. But he said to Abram, the Bible says that he was rich in silver, he was rich in gold, he was rich in cattle. This is what the Lord told him in the book of Genesis, chapter 13, beginning with the, verse, with the 14th verse. The Lord said to Abram, After that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it, in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram, high father, noble name, removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. I just want you to get a sense of the character of this man, Abram, long before he was Abraham. He was blessed of the Lord, multiplied by God. He was strengthened by the Lord. He was given promises of God. He did great things for God as high father, as Abram. The Lord blessed him. As a matter of fact, in one place, the scripture says that that his nephew Lot was attacked. He was actually abducted and he was taken prisoner. And when Lot was taken prisoner, Abram, listen to how blessed he was, had 315 men at his disposal. 
And he took those 315 men like a small army and went and rescued Lot and brought back all the goods that the enemy had stolen. That's what Abram, the high father, did. Abram, the high father, was blessed of the Lord. Abram, the high father, had power on this earth. And he had the ability to go and rescue his family. But God said to Abram, Abram, as great as this is, and as good as this is, I'm getting ready to do even more through you. Because you're not just a high father, Abram. I'm getting ready to expand your name and make you Abraham. Because Abraham means the father of many multitudes. What God is doing for us, ladies and gentlemen, is he's taking us from the noble name of First Apostolic Church and he's expanding us into a name for many multitudes. That's why we've been preaching the tree of life. Because God has been preparing us as a tree of life. It starts with a seed, but that seed breaks open underground. And the roots come forth and they move out into the love of God. And the breadth of the love of God. And the length of the love of God. And the depth of the love of God. And the height of the love of God. And we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And whatsoever we shall do shall prosper. Hallelujah. And the branches will go forth. And we like Joseph will be like a fruitful bow. A fruitful branch. And the leaves of those branches. The leaves of the tree of life. Are for the healing of the nations. The nations are going to be healed. Through this congregation. And it's already happening. Hallelujah. You know what? In this world where racial tensions and racial strife is reaching a high that is so so sad and so sorrowful, I'm thankful that in this congregation we're able to look at a divided world and say, but we are a united church. Let the world go their way. We don't need what the world is offering. We want Jesus. We want the blood of Jesus. There is love in this house. There is peace in this house. There is joy in this house. And the leaves of this tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And then we bear much fruit. And that fruit that comes forth from these branches, we take of it and we feed the hungry with this fruit. You know how it started with a seed? You know what constitutes fruit? Seed constitutes fruit. You can tell when something is fruit because of the seed that is in it. That's why I hate to break it to you, but tomatoes are fruit. Cucumbers, fruit. Zucchini, fruit. It tastes like a vegetable, but it's a fruit. Why? Because it has the seed in it. And the process starts all over again. So you take the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance, and you feed the hungry with that love and that joy and that peace. And what happens is the same seed that was planted in you is planted in them. And then a whole process, rooted and grounded in love, shall be like a tree, branches, the leaves of the tree of life, and bearing much fruit, it starts all over again. And so God has prepared us, ladies and gentlemen, for this moment. And so I'm I'm going to announce to you now that in the next few weeks, as we launch this campaign, 
we will be officially the Tree of Life Church. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you that this has been, thank you so much for your, for your support. And thank you so much for standing. Let me tell you that this has been, a, a, this has been an enormous challenge for me personally. And I, I'm just, can I be honest with you for a little while and just, and just share with you my, my spirit and my heart? Because I have, I have struggled. I don't, like, I don't like change, to be honest with you. I've been old since I was 10 years old, and I just, I'm just, I'm just a, I'm an old soul maybe, I don't know, but I, I don't particularly like change, and I struggled, and I said, God, what in the world are you doing to me? And we walked into this building on Cooper Road, and I said, God, God, I want to lead your people, and the Lord just kept saying, you're a tree of life, you're a tree of life, you're a tree of life, and this congregation is a tree of life, and I'm going to heal the nations through you, and I'm going to, I'm going to feed the hungry through you, and I'm going to lift people and support people and strengthen people and encourage, and families are going to come back together, and, and addicts are going to be healed transformatively by the power of the Holy Ghost, and the blood of Jesus is going to wash over this city. He just kept, he just kept pouring this on. And, I, and, I, and I, I didn't resist the concept, but I was just, I, I thought, well, okay, that's who we are, that's good. But God said, no, that's who you are. And so we, we began to, to, to kind of, you know, believe that way and lead that way. But, but I was never interested in name change. I know the history of the church is that there has been a pattern of name change. And then there was a 50-year period where it was stability 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 and strength and, and strengthening the foundation and and yet in this year of jubilee god says you have entered a name changing season again and so i and so i said but lord you know and I, I even said lord <laughs> we're apostolic we're absolutely apostolic and we'll always be apostolic let me just tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We are an apostolic church. We believe in one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when somebody asks you the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? There's only one answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And we're a holiness church. We believe in coming out from among them and being separate, saith the Lord. That's just who we are. And so I said, Lord, I said, Lord, uh, then, then we're apostolic. And, and I don't want anybody to get the feeling that, that because we're not calling ourselves the first apostolic church, that that's changed. So I said, Lord, how about apostolic tree of life? I said, how about tree of life apostolic? How about, Tree of Life, how about Tree of Life Church Apostolic Ministries? I thought, you know, Tree of Life Church, Tree of Life, One God Apostolic Tongue Talking, Holy Rolling, Born Again, Hembound Believer Church. I thought that kind of had a ring to it. 
And the Lord, the Lord began to convict me and said, Joel, you appreciate apostolic. We all appreciate apostolic. Because let me tell you what apostolic means. Apostolic means being true to the doctrines of the apostles. The word apostolic is not in the Bible. Now, tree of life you'll find in Genesis 2. We don't get very far into the scriptures and tree of life is, shows up. It is what God always wanted to give man was the tree of life. And when you get to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, it reappears in the New Jerusalem, the tree of life. The whole Bible is all about the tree of life. Everything you read is about God wanting to give man access to the tree of life. The tree of life's fruit is so potent that man, even in his sin, could have eaten of the fruit and lived forever. Even with death present. And God said, I can't have that because they live forever in a sinful state. And so God blocked the entrance into the Garden of Eden. So the tree of life appears at the beginning of the Bible and it reappears in the, in the conclusion of the scriptures. It is truly the alpha and the omega of the scriptures. And Jesus said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. And he grafted us in. But, but the Lord said, said to, he began to convict me and I began to, he began to show me. Apostolic is important. We must always be apostolic. And I appreciate it, and you appreciate it. And our, and our fellow, uh, fellow uh, apostolic believers appreciate it. I started, started showing me churches, apostolic churches, our own city, Calvary Church, Grace Point Church, our own organization, United Pentecostal Church, flagship churches within our organization, Christian Life Center, Pentecostals of Alexandria, Calvary Tabernacle. That, that the word apostolic, God said, listen, you appreciate it, but these people I'm trying to reach, they don't know what it means. These people I died for, these people I went to a cross for, they don't know what it means. And it's, it's not a word that appears in the Bible, but the principles of it appear in the Bible. The word apostolic, the, the, the most important thing about the word apostolic is not so much that it appears in the name of a church, but that it appears in the lives of the believers. We're going to give apostolic. We're going to believe apostolic. We're going to pray apostolic. We're going to baptize in Jesus' name like the apostle. And the Lord, the Lord showed me another name change in the scriptures because I was struggling with it. And the Lord took me to another name change in the scriptures. Saul to Paul. It's different than Jacob to Israel. It's different than Abraham to Abraham. Abram to Abraham. Abram to Abraham, God said, you were high father, and that was good. But I'm going to change you to Abraham, the father of many multitudes. Jacob to Israel. Jacob was heel holder, and God said, no, no, no more. I'm going to make you Israel, prince with favor, favor from God. But Saul to Paul was different. God didn't make that change. On the road to Damascus, when Saul was, fell off of his horse, off of his high horse, and this great light was shining above the brightness of the sun, God never said, your name was Saul, it shall be Paul. Didn't happen. Paul changed that name. And this is why. Because that name Saul was a Jewish name. And, and it was pronounced Shaul. And God told me, God began to show me and minister to me that Paul's ministry was to the Gentile nations. 
and walking into those Gentile nations to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul removed an added layer, something that they wouldn't understand. So when they would say Shaul, it wouldn't have made sense to them. So he changed it to Paulus. It's actually the same. The Bible says he who is called Paul, but is also called Saul. So when he went back to Jerusalem, he was just, hey, Shaul. But when he go out to preach to the Gentile nations, he was Paulus. He made that change. God didn't make that change. And the moment that it happened was in Acts chapter 13, when he was ministering to Sergius Paulus, who he was about ready to convert to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was a sorcerer present named Elamus. And Elamus was a, was a warlock. And he began to whisper in the ear of Sergius Paulus. And he began to, to, to try to uh, somehow shut down what Paul was preaching. And what Saul was preaching, what Shaul was preaching. And Shaul said to Elamus, he said, you're unrighteous. You're the enemy of all righteousness. And he began to rebuke him. And the Bible says that he blinded him for a season. And when he blinded him for a season, Elamus lost his ability to confront Paul. And Sergius Paulus came right on into the faith. Now here's what the Lord began to show me. The vision of our enemy is that we be destroyed. The devil has a vision also. His vision is that we be destroyed. His vision is that the world be confused. You see our world buying into his vision. Our world doesn't, our world doesn't even know what the difference between a man and a woman anymore. Our world is completely confused. And they, it's because they have bought into the vision of the adversary. But when Paul said, I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the vision of Paul became so clear and so focused that he said, I am Shaul. I'll always be Shaul. That's who I am. But I'm come as Paul to this community to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we are apostolic. We'll always be apostolic. We were founded apostolic. We will preach apostolic until the Lord calls us home. But to this community, we are a tree of life. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to do. It's going to shut down the vision of the adversary. And when it shuts down the vision of the adversary... Open the doors and let the flood of people come in and receive salvation for their souls. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you. I, I, give me, can I have just a few more minutes? Just a few more minutes. Because the vision of the adversary is being shut down. Because the light of God's vision for his church is becoming crystal clear. That's what happens. The reason that Shaul knew to blind Elamus was because he knew what blindness does to the enemy's vision. It was Paul, Saul, on the road to Damascus, who saw a great light shining above the brightness of the heaven. At that moment, he was the enemy of the cross. But the light of God shut down the vision of the enemy. And he spent three days in darkness. And while the enemy spent three days in darkness because of the light of God was so bright, he didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, and God converted him while he was blind. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible means when it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. 
our vision is becoming so crystal clear. It is becoming so precise. It's not us and there's not a soul that can take credit for it. It is the Lord's doing and don't ever forget that. But it's becoming so bright and so powerful and so poignant, it is blinding our adversary. Abraham experienced this when the angels of the Lord went into Sodom and Gomorrah and were rescuing Lot and his family. And Lot and his family were being brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the men of that city were vile. And they were trying to beat down the door. And they were going to attack the angels of the Lord. What did the angels of the Lord do? Blindness. See, that's what God is doing to our adversary. He's blinding our adversary. And he's using the light of the gospel and the light of a clear vision. He's using the light, hallelujah, to do it in the name of Jesus. So Abram rescued Lot. But as Abraham, he stood before God. And this is where God is taking us. As Abram, he was able to rescue Lot. But as Abraham... As the father of many multitudes, he was able to stand before God and plead the case of a whole city. God is taking us from being a high father, which has been, has been a wonderful place and noble place to be. But he's taking us into a, a promotion, if you please, as, the, as a church of many multitudes who are coming from all walks of life. And they need the apostolic doctrine. They need Jesus' name. They need Holy Ghost talking in tongues. They need the love of God and the love of the saints of God. They need us to receive them in the name of the Lord. Like the father did with the prodigal son. Saw him from a long ways off and didn't wait for him to get there. But he ran to him and said, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, at the New Jerusalem... And I'm coming to a close, but at the New Jerusalem, if our musicians could come, there are 12 gates. On those gates are the names of the children of Israel. Because Israel was the gateway to New Jerusalem. And that's who we are, ladies and gentlemen. We are the gateway that people can step into. Jesus said, I am the door. We're his body. The gateway that people can step into and find salvation for their souls. You see, I, I, I get this mental picture of Noah as he's finished this, this treacherous time on the ark. You know, it's so easy just to kind of go through this little story and, 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 and disassociate ourselves from what he went through. But Noah built that ark for years and years and was mocked and, and, and made fun of for doing it. Then the rain begins to fall and he gets on board with his family. And they get into the ark of God, the ark of safety. Then the rain comes. Which when usually when we stop the story, but, but could you imagine being on a boat where everything on this planet was dying? And there you are for 40 days and 40 nights and then for another just an amazing amount of time on that boat as, as you're waiting to find out what is left of my world. Do you know how many people that we're ministering to right now who already are having that question? 
I've gone through hell on earth. I've gone through storms like you can't imagine. Lightning has flashed and thunder has rolled and marriages have broken up and minds have been altered and situations have been so difficult. And their question is, what remains of my world? So I'm imagining Noah, he throws open that window and all it is is water. All it is is carnage. All it is is death, debris, destruction. Everything has been completely wiped out. Nothing will ever be the same. So he sends out the dove. And the dove goes flying out over all the face of the earth. Of course, we know what that dove represents. That dove represents the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost went to one living thing. A tree. In a world where where everything was dying, where everything was drowning, where nothing made sense, there was a tree. (sighs) Y'all, I I don't know. I, I, I don't like even looking at the news anymore. I don't like the direction our world is headed. We're on the brink. It feels like every day we're on the brink of some terrible, catastrophic thing. I don't know what to tell you about about the nature of the world you're living in, but I do know there's a tree. Glory to your name, oh God. Glory to your name, oh God. And I want everybody who's driving up and down I-71 right now, Lord, let them hear your spirit calling to them. Come to the tree of life. I want everybody who's on Ronald Reagan Highway driving to and fro, wondering what life holds for them, let them know, come to the tree of life. I want everybody who's hung over from a drunken stupor last night, everybody who's struggling with an addiction to heroin, I want everybody, oh God, who's been hurt, Who's been hurt by the church? I said everybody who's been hurt by the church. Speak to their soul. Come to the tree of life. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. the, The dove signifying the Holy Ghost grabbed a little leaf plucked it off and flew it all the way back to where Noah was and when Noah saw that leaf he realized there's hope the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations I need somebody to reach out to him right now and praise him. I need somebody to reach out to him right now and praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody reach out to him right now and praise him. Somebody reach out to him right now and praise him. 